0: Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Dog on Good Information. And welcome my co-host, Tommy Fahey. Hi, Tommy.
1: Hi, Heidi. How are you today?
0: Doing good. Doing good. On the dog days of summer here in Florida. Very, very hot. I'm sure Missouri may be the same or nice weather.
1: We are actually having, I call it fake fall.
0: Oh, I'm jealous.
1: this week, we've had highs in like the mid-80s. Wow. Um, We're expecting some rain, so it's fake fall. It's not real. Uh, <laughs> next week it'll be back up to a hundred.
0: Yeah. So but in Missouri, girls. I'd, I'd take that in Missouri all day long. I've been in Missouri oh, many absolutely. times when it's just like Florida, very hot and humid. Yes. My yeah. car says a hundred today and, um, that's after it kind of recalibrated from being over a hundred, you know, in the sun. Yeah. So I doubt it's that warm, but it's really warm for Florida and sunny and bright. So um, it's it's excessive. <laughs> <I can't, laughs>
1: no. We need that summer home <laughs> up in the north somewhere. Well,
0: I'm headed to Vermont soon. So excellent. I'll be talking to you from the northeast soon and probably enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah. All right. Um, so any uh, stories from the past week or two that you'd like yes. to share? Yes
1: so i spent the weekend uh in st louis i was at a horse show uh over the weekend i took my horse and went and competed um and wherever there are horses there are people and their dogs
0: <laughs> lots of dogs you can imagine
1: so uh it was it was a very fun weekend we had a really good time it was uh three friends of mine they're all professional trainers um, and we all went together uh, none of us had clients with us which is a, a not oh, that's a very fun. common thing for us yeah. to do. Uh, so it's a very low stress weekend. And I've been to this particular showground several times. And in the past when I've gone and I've not taken my own horse, if I'm not competing and I'm just there to coach or train, um, I've taken Jimmy Dean with me. Uh, so he is rather famous there or infamous. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I think um, infamous <laughs> is the word you're looking for. <laughs>
1: He might have his own little director's chair with his name on it that sets up in front of the stall. May He's or may not, huh? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we need yeah, a I'm picture. I
0: need a picture of that to post.
1: I'll get you a picture. I had a client give it to me. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so anyways, I was I was at the horse show, and like I said, there's a lot of dogs that, that are brought um, along with the horses. And for the most part, I would say that, these are animal people. These are horse trainers. These are, are, you know, the people that are around animals all the time. So they have really well behaved animals. Yeah. Um, and this weekend was, was no different. Um, so one of my friends that was there, her mom, uh, came to watch and brought her dog with her and she had a nine month old, uh, golden retriever puppy, the cutest little thing in the world. And as a nine month old golden retriever would be high energy, very wiggly and excited to be there. And, you know, just really, really fun. Um, but that's a big environment for a young dog.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So,
1: you know, it could, it's potential for things to go quite wrong. <laughs> um, and would what was interesting or what was really good and all the things that we've talked about on this podcast, even I think most of our trainer tips were put into play. Um, this dog was so well handled and the owner was, did such a good job of making sure that she was not a problem, making sure that, you know, it was nobody else's responsibility to take care of this dog or to keep an eye on this dog, this dog, you know, she had a handle on. Uh, So everything from walking through the barn, she was, uh, you know walked on a leash very well kn- knew how to heal uh we went in and watched the show and so we, we were sitting in the bleachers and so she was constantly redirecting the dog's attention you know she had some treats and she had yeah. uh, a, a choke collar on a little pinch collar um with the prongs you know there's a controversy about that but she needed it it was a young uh, high drive dog
0: yeah, so the, she, when you say puppy, nine-month-old golden retriever is almost a full-sized dog. These yeah. are not little tiny puppies. I mean, even 10 no, weeks, probably, they're pretty big. Uh,
1: she's probably between 40 and 60 pounds. I mean, yeah. She's a, a bigger yeah. dog. Exactly. Um, People are thinking a little
0: puppy with a prong collar. This is a full size dog.
1: This is a basically full size dog with puppy energy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. But she did such a good job of, uh, you know, every few minutes she would get up and redirect the dog and, you know, take it down the way a little bit and bring it back and it would sit and it would heal. Awesome. Just really did a good job of keeping the dog occupied. Right. Um, Yeah. And then when we were back uh, in our, in the stall area with the horses, Back in the barns, um, she had brought a kennel and she asked, she said, do you mind if I set this kennel up here? Is it going to be in anybody's way? Um, wow. She was just very proactive about making sure that that dog was no issue. Um, awesome. And, and then the dog was super well behaved in the kennel. It was worn out because well, there was yeah. so much to see and do. And she's um, also
0: getting such mental stimulation on it, regular exactly. intervals.
1: Yeah. So... Uh, it was just, it was a good experience to see how good handling for a dog can create such a good experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, for everybody involved, you know?
0: Absolutely. Wow. So, that's really cool. And I love golden retrievers. Our beloved family yes. pet, Cinnamon, was just so exceptional. And my daughter and I, once she's married and settled, we talk about getting some golden retrievers. The hair is a pain in the butt, but. They, yes, They Their personality trumps that <laughs> for
1: sure. Now this one was a bit of a shorter hair coat. Oh, I interesting! I didn't realize that they came that way, but there's a particular line. That's a, a little different breeding.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: so she's actually in training for field trial kinds of things. Um, so oh, the awesome. owner does a lot with her dogs. Um, and so, yeah, really cool. We, we talk a lot about on the podcast, we talk about a lot of negative things, and bad things that happen to talk. So <laughs> I thought it was really nice to talk about some good things that happened yeah. um, and utilizing all of all of the, the things that we talk about with best practices and and training tips and all of that. Right. Uh, she had done such a good job with all of that.
0: Oh, fantastic. That's so good to hear. And <clears throat> you kind of hope that others Watching that will take a page from that, too, because we lower the bar so often, yes. especially when we're raising puppies. I'm, I get, I get email all the time. I'm reading stories all the time. My puppy's tearing up the house. He won't behave. And, you know, the trainers are like, can you say kennel when you're gone? Mm-hmm. You know, it's you need to help them and set them up for success. And exactly. What a great story. Thanks for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, too, have a fun story. Uh, maybe right. we're thinking along the same lines. So it's the dog days of summer, but out in Pacifica, California, which by the way, California usually has spectacular weather because it's fairly dry. There is the World Dog Surfing Championships.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Oh, I know. I The visual on this. And they actually, <laughs> they get like points for not only like technique, <laughs> but also their little uh, wardrobe or outfits and oh goggles and. <laughs> <laughs> this is excellent. Yeah, I will put it. I will put it in show notes because it's just so much fun. But you know, there's dogs out there hanging tan, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> So, yeah, I, you could just picture it. And I have seen, I have been around dogs. People think, oh, it's, you know, not great. You put them on the surfboard and put them in the water or whatever. There, are believe me, you could see dogs that y- you try to keep them away from it. You know, yeah. they're like ready to roll. So... Well,
1: that's with, with anything. We, we see these unique things like a dog surfing or whatever. It didn't just happen like all at once yeah
0: absolutely we didn't just
1: throw them out into the ocean and go good luck was some (laughs) tie them to the board (laughs) yeah no there's a lot more that goes into that process
0: absolutely Uh, and again I say this on my other podcast animal tales as well we're talking about carriage horses in my last episode the level of training you start with such a great foundation you can't do this stuff without the foundation and the trust that you gain between the, the animal and yourself. But then even if somebody else works the animal, if they utilize the the right um, language and demeanor, the animal will also do it for them. But instead of the animal being afraid of everything, they become inquisitive. Yes. And we do. Absolutely. There are certainly animals that like some animals like water a lot more than others. So, you know, but there are, if they do like it they might love it and you know it's hard to keep them out of it so but it still starts with a great foundation and i think that's why we're lowering the bar i mean we can't get our dogs to sit or behave or whatever and you can't do the rest of this stuff Mm -hmm. without starting there and uh so and that's exactly the story you're telling is what she's doing is yeah. creating a spectacular foundation with that dog. You
1: have to have that foundation. And we see it in, you and I both do a lot of horse training as well. We Absolutely. see that so much in the horses. And I run into that all the time. Is it, Somebody says, oh, my goal is to go out and show like what I did this weekend. Yeah. And they can't do the basics at home. Yeah. That's such a huge thing that's right so yeah you have to have that foundation in place so that you can help the animal be inquisitive and and want to explore new things and
0: absolutely i i get weary of hearing people say but i have a timid horse or i have a timid dog and they're they're you know just nervous or that yeah they're definitely we have different personalities just like people but I, I wouldn't allow my child to remain a nervous, um, scared of everything. I want to help yeah. them through that. And I do the same with my animals. And again, as a third generation trainer, very few animals that we had to find. I, I really can only think of one. Um, and that was more of a uh, issue with being able to breathe in humid weather. Uh, like heavy, but there's another word oh, for it. Oh, yeah. That we uh, retired out west the vet said that would be the appropriate climate, but we really didn't have to get rid of animals because of they were scared or nervous. Some have more bravado than others, but
1: oh, for sure. Think
0: of a kids' choir. Some kids are out there leading the charge and going at it and dance it, which is a hoot. I love to watch those. And then there's somebody in the back who's singing, and but they're enjoying it, but they're just not as much bravado as that one. And that's yeah. how I always think of our animals, those different personalities, but. The more we can draw them out, to the extent that we keep them a little out of their comfort zone, but get them back to a place they're comfortable, that's what we want yeah. to be doing. Well,
1: so and that's that's been my experience. The horse that I showed this weekend, yeah, um, had him uh, just since the end of November, so we're going on about eight months. You've had a lot of, of challenges. Training so many challenges he was he was very reactive and spooky and um you know just did not really have a a solid foundation um before i got uh before he came into my life and so it's been you know eight months of fixing that this is the the third show no second show that i've taken to him to and then i've taken him to a couple of clinics here and there um and he he was timid about a few things if there's um in the i do dressage uh showing so there's a judge's box where the judge sits and that gets a lot of horses because it's an unfamiliar <laughs> it's sitting right in the middle of the
0: and, arena is it <laughs> yeah and there's
1: uh, put foliage bushes and bushes yeah things around yeah. it to decorate it and people come in and out of it and um that you know throws them so he looked at it a little bit you know he kind of tilted his head and was like what is that And i said you're okay walk on and he did great yeah Uh, And then this show facility has a um, wash bay for the horses that's uh, concrete. Uh, So you walk off the dirt floor in the barn and you step down about four inches into this concrete um, basin thing. And, of course, it's dark and shadowy and it throws a lot of horses off. And he walked up to it and was like, you want me to walk on that? Yep, you're good. Come on. You're good. And And he looked at it for a moment and then he was like, Okay.
0: Okay, Tommy. If you say so.
1: Yeah. So we got there Friday. Friday it was a little bit of an issue. Saturday it was no problem at all. And by Sunday he was leading me in there.
0: Yeah. Perfect. And that's exactly what you want. I mean, that's that's the, what you've been establishing all this time because you've been telling me that he was challenging and yeah, got to go back and do the foundation. Yeah. I have that so. with Otis, the big dog, the poodle. Mm-hmm from the hoarding situation, he just doesn't know anything. I've had him March, so several months now, and he ebbs and flows, but I just, I've given him a new story and it's not optional for him because it's no quality of life for him to live in his fear and his nervousness and just boogieing every time something makes him Mm -hmm. nervous. We've made some really good strides and I'm getting ready now to spend a lot of time dog training. I've been doing a freelance project that wraps up this coming week, which is mid-August. And it is full steam with some podcasts and other computer work, but a great balance with getting out and dog training in nicer weather. And we're going to go at it because I'm committed to get him over the hump. But he looks up at me and I love it. He like are you sure Heidi? It's more, are you sure Heidi? Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're fine Otis. You're fine. Oh my God. My heart is just, this dog (laughs) is just amazing. I love him. But one of the reasons I took him, he was a foster. I think they call that foster failure because I was fostering him and within a few weeks I adopted him. But (laughs) I, I felt very committed to getting him to a better place. And it may be a scenario cause I'm not set up that well for a big dog, but because I grew up with animals, I'm making it work that whether or not he will maybe end up living with someone else at somewhere, obviously it'd be a great situation, but I am fully committed to getting him to the next level. Um, and maybe for the rest of his life, he'll be with me. I don't know, but that's the work I do is make sure that animals are in a great place and then they get a great home. And that that's, what makes me happy. Cause yeah. I've done my job as a trainer. If someone else can step in and, and give them the commands and do it, it's, it's, you know, those of you who are listening, this should be my trainer tip. You um, don't make it personalized. Like, Oh, well he'll do that for me. I hear that all the time. I'm sure you yeah. do with horses. Well, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to do it for you, but he'll do it for me. And I look at those people and say, when you sent your child to kindergarten, did you tell them they didn't have to listen to the teacher? And they're like, and I said, well, that's essentially what you're doing. If someone, Mm -hmm. if you okay somebody to be in this animal's world and they give a command, they need to follow it, you know? And again, that's setting them up for success for life, not just about your home. It's whatever happens to them in their entire life, so... We could go on, and we (laughs) are. (laughs) I'm Heidi Harriet. This is Tommy Fahey, and we're full of doggone good information today. Full of something, anyhow, Tommy. Full of something, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. We didn't plan it this way, but our topic today is walking the dog, the very beginning of it all. And we've really been working right up to this because that is the beginning of the foundation work even the gal you were talking about at the stable Mm -hmm. or at the show this weekend it's the prong collar and making sure that the dog isn't just yanking her away puppy or not nine ten months old but they're they're very eager to go and um so starting out with the right equipment and the right walk so we're going to, we're going to delve into that. We're going to walk down that road for you today. <laughs> I and, see you there. Um, <laughs> I'm so clever today. <laughs> so tell me, why don't you start us off on um, the foundation, walking our dogs, what we need to yeah. start out with.
1: So we've, we've talked about this several times throughout the different episodes of all through our trainer tips and everything, all of the different topics that we've covered. Uh, but the first thing is getting your dog to focus. Uh, can you, can you get your dog to look at you? Do you have their eyes? Um, and that's something that's, I think, huge in any animal training, yeah. um, and, and something that I see missing in a lot of, uh, people, dog relationships or people, animal relationships. Uh, cause it is the same across all species. I see it in horses all the time. Oh, this horse is good. I said, he's not good. He's not looking at you. He has no idea you're there. That's right. Um, uh, and I, you see it in dogs, the dog is behaving, but you can't get them to look, you can't get their focus. So focus is number one. And you can do that in a lot of different ways, positive reinforcement with treats, um, then pairing that, associating it with some kind of a cue, uh, verbal cue, even a posture, um, you know, a physical command of some kind. Um, all of these, these things become super important. Just get the dog to focus. Um, so I think that is that is your number one foundation.
0: Yeah, um, and then
1: we we talked about equipment. Yeah, there's a there's a million different types of equipment. Yeah, I mean there there's all different collars and leashes and harnesses and it's, anything you can imagine. There's something. I always say I want one more tool than what I know I'm going to need.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah.
1: So if I know I need a leash and a regular collar. I probably also want a slip lead, yeah. Or or I want a pronged collar or a choke chain mm. of some kind. Uh, I say the same thing with the horses. If I can lead the horse with just a halter and lead rope, I'm probably also going to pick up a dressage whip. Oh sure. Um, you know, and if I'm going into a new environment or an environment the ho- the animal's unfamiliar with, I want an extra tool just in case something goes wrong. Right. Um, so, for example, with Jimmy Dean, he's very well-behaved.
0: So you most say.
1: Most of the time. <laughs> I, I would say most of the time he's very well-behaved. But I know that he's also very easily distracted. Yeah.
0: Well, he's, so a, he's I, a Jack Russell. So, to be fair, he yeah, is he very well-behaved for Jack Russell.
1: He, <laughs> he is wired to not be well-behaved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I don't ever give him the opportunity to not be well-behaved.
0: Yeah, very important um, point.
1: Yeah, if he's not in a fenced area, he's on a leash.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It it just that is the rule. Um, so have one more tool in your toolbox than what you know you're going to need uh, when you're you're starting to practice this.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'll I'll um, I'll uh, kind of build off of that. I completely agree. And think about your tools, right? So you're going to start walking your dog if they're a puppy, even. And for puppy training, I, I'm amazed that when I walk in a house and I'm going to help somebody, I usually go to their home and um, they have a puppy and it's running loose. The first thing we do is put a leash on it. Yeah. I even use cat leashes, real light leashes, because if they don't know they have it on, it's even better. Because the minute you clip into something, they're little angels. They that follow works. you around, they stay right, whatever. But so I like to, I have, I, in my toolbox, I bring my bag, of course I'm a dog trainer, but I bring my bag of tricks, I call it. And I've got all different collars and uh, leashes and such in there. So get, get yourself ready. One of the things is when you're training, and the fa- this is foundation work, get yourself organized and ready and have a plan. It, c- it doesn't mean it has to be a 30 minute session. If you only have 15 minutes or 10 minutes, that's fine. But think about it ahead of time and get yourself prepared. So put the right equipment on your animal. And if it's a puppy, you're probably, you could be using a few treats or even a, a toy. And we call it luring them, like getting them to come. Come here and you give them a little tug and you do that. Mm-hmm. Little bits for the little dogs and pet them. But pretty quickly, by the time they're 8, 10, 12 weeks old, you got to start moving along, uh, you know, a few feet at a time, the end of your driveway And then reward them. Again, it depends on the size of your dog and such. But I am not a fan of harnesses. I always have the collar. Um, And I start, I have what's called a flat collar, which is just the collar that a dog has. But from there, I like the martingales, which are a webbing collar, but they're a little bit of a choke chain scenario, but it's Mm -hmm. all in webbing. They're called a martingale. So, and here's what I do if I'm worried that my dog is going to get away from me. If there's any way possible, you should be in your yard or a a quiet place at this time. This is not a farmer's market, the dog park, Mm -hmm. the the, the big park where other people are walking their dog. You're starting out. And Tommy, you just said, we got to get their eyes. So we're starting out, hoping, you know, starting to make them sit while we put their equipment on them right? That's the first thing. If they're jumping on you, we're going to start with a little sit. And again, if you want to use a little treat, you can, if you're using more than eight or 10 treats in a session, you're begging your animal, right? Mm -hmm. So if you come with the whole thing, people, I go to their house, here's the treats. I'm like, give me one of those. And they're like one. Well, first of all, I'm going to break it in pieces, but yeah, I'm, I want them to look at me, but I'm just going to show them how, and then I'm not going to beg them to do it. Right, yeah. So the treat might be the first or second time and then, good boy! And they're like, oh, okay, that's what she wants, right? Animals are smart. <laughs>
1: they're so smart. They're we so smart. That, uh, previously, we don't give them enough. We either give them way too much credit Yeah. Um, or we give them no credit at no all. No credit
0: at all. My father, I say it often on this podcast, had a saying that you have to be a little smarter than the animal you're working with. Correct. And often I have experienced that myself where I have to take a little time out for myself. Boy. All right. I got to figure this out because they're kind of getting ahead of me here. Uh-huh. So that's where it's all going to start is making sure you have your equipment ready, have your plan. You're not, if you have a quiet street, it's okay to walk down the street, but I start out dogs in my backyard, wherever you have just a little bit of space. Cause again, it's not as much the, the length as it is the look at me, and a little bit of a stop, walk on, turn. So we're that's what we want to do. And we're giving them mental um, stimulation as well as physical. And if you are good with your mental stimulation, you'll you'll actually get away with. You can get away with a little bit less physical stimulation, like we've talked about in a storm or something where you can't go out and walk for your forty-five minutes but if you get in your dog's brain, you're gonna get them working and thinking. So here's what I do for the, back to the equipment. So I put a collar on them and then I like the martingale, which again serves as a little bit of a choke chain thing. I will happily use a prong collar because I know I'm not hurting the dog. I will do one of two things. If I know the dog can't get out of their collar or we're in a fenced area and I'm not worried about that, I'll actually take a double snap and hook my leash onto the flat collar and the prong collar. Yeah. So if they're going okay, I'm on the the, the regular collar. If they're pulling on me, I have the opportunity to give a little to the prong collar. I call yeah, it a tug and airs. release. Tommy and I are horse riders, so our we're light with our hands, but I literally, it's that much. It's just a little finger thing because I'm holding the leash very short. If they step too far ahead or too far behind, they're going to feel an impact. And that's on them. They're bumping yeah. into it, I say, right? When you hold your leash so long that to pull the doggy, you're going like that. You're way too long. It's this much. See my elbow they have move? To,
1: they have to find it's where there's that no pressure. Yeah. So that's and the first thing, yeah. You gotta yeah, you show them that there's no pressure when they're right next to you, to your leg. Yeah, it's a ha-
0: that's the happy place, unicorns mm-hmm. and rainbows. The minute they step forward, they feel something. And if you have a yeah. harness on, all they feel is the strongest part of their body. You yeah. might as I say, get a skateboard and enjoy the ride, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> because they're gonna pull you. But so you can hook into both of those collars. And then you can, you can use it as you need to, right? If you're pulling all the time, you're not teaching your dog anything. You have to tug and release. As soon as they pull, they, you give them a little correction and they come and that loosens up. But it's for me at my elbow moves that much to loosen up, loosen up, right? And it's quick. It happens very quick. It's a, yeah, it's a quick movement. But if you're worried in a place, your backyard's not fenced, put a harness on your dog, but use that double snap to snap into the harness. Use the collar for the, the impact of, and again, this is a light impact, but you need something, but they can't, if they wiggle out of it, you still got the harness. Yeah. And I'll put a diagram on this online because this is absolutely for me, the most important thing so that I, I don't lose a client's dog, you know, especially if I'm not in a fenced area and be in a quiet area. Don't do this in front of a lot of other dogs. You don't have their attention yet. And then when you're ready, walk off. And I I have to say this to everybody I work with, just walk off and make the dog come with you. Everybody's turning around and, and following the dog. I guarantee you, and it works for every client I've done it with, walk off 10 steps with, with energy, your shoulders back, and the, you know, just that you can glance at the dog. And before you know it, the dog is walking with you. It's not mm-hmm. walking you, it's walking with you. And that's what you're looking for. So that's, that's the start of it. And then I go fast, slow, I stop, even with a new dog, but because now they gotta watch me because they have no idea what I'm doing. If I just walk exactly. off and go yeah. a mile, they're just kind of trotting along and like all over the place. They got to, they got to keep looking at me.
1: So in a sense, what we're doing is we're teaching the dog to target us. It's a target training exercise, um, which uh, you could use this in any kind of animal and you could put it into any, any section of our operant conditioning quadrants that we talk about. Um, But you're essentially making yourself the target and your dog has to follow the target.
0: Yeah. Yep, that's exactly right. And this is how you get over the distractions too because you're in a small area or a, a non-distracted area. You might have squirrels or birds or something, but this is the perfect time just that little hey, hey look at me. Again, you could I sometimes stop my foot I I touch the side of my body, like make a slap, you know, on my, on my thigh. I, eh, you know, or, Hey, I mix it up a little bit. Yeah. So they don't get kind of tuned out to, Hey, Hey. And if, if you're saying their name without any energy, Joey, Joey, they're, they're ignoring you. If you've said it three times, you've got to do something different because they are tuning you out. And that's a dangerous road to go down.
1: stay at the same level. Yeah. And you become monotone. Yeah. And you become very easily ignorable.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: I say in in the animal training, I say you ask, tell, demand.
0: That's right. In that
1: order, in the amount of time it takes you to say it. Yep. Three seconds. You ask, you tell, and you demand. Right. The ask is usually just your physical positioning the, the, your posture and, and how you carry yourself. Um, and then your tell is usually a verbal reinforcer and then maybe a, um, a tug of the leash, something like that. And then your demand is the, the most that you can do. Uh, so whatever, whatever the biggest correction you could make is your demand. Right. And you have to be able to do that in those three seconds and then leave it alone.
0: Right, you can't,
1: you can't stay in the demand and yep. you cannot stay in the ask. Correct. If you stay in the ask, you're just monotone and they're ignoring you. And if you stay in the demand, you're yelling and they're going to shut down, shut down and ignore you on the opposite end.
0: I have a saying on that. It's all in the punctuation. So mm. you ask, yeah. that you give the command, no punctuation. They don't follow it. You tell, period, sit, period. They don't do it sit (laughs) exclamation point and you don't want to stay in the exclamation point and you don't want to leave this open-ended ask which can be a question mark for a lot of people and that's a mistake i pointed out more women do this more often and i don't i'm not criticizing women we're the nurturers right men come out and they're direct and told to be we're kind of always assuming we have to ask right and we're the nurturers so they'll say sit Question mark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Come on, let's walk on, Rover. Question mark. Rover's like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) So don't give them a question. Give them a command. But you don't have to yell at them. You just give the command. So as you said, you you call it an ask. I say give the command and then insist. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's the important part. And you're not going to do any more than you need to. Clinton Anderson, the horse trainer, who was on my other podcast. If you haven't listened to that, definitely worth a listen. <laughs> it's a good
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: don't do more than you need in the way of a correction, but don't do any less than you need. Mm-hmm. And when you think of it in those terms, it really helps you because you don't want to go overboard and get crazy and, and harm the animal in any way. But you also, if you're, if you're not doing enough that the, the behavior changes, then you're not doing enough. And then you're that's what they hear and you get ignored. And then you set the reason we're talking about all this, because if you don't get this right, you're setting them up for um, potential to come into harm's way and possibly not be a part of your family. There's a point where a misbehaved dog, no matter how much it's loved, gets really tiresome. Especially if it's causing physical damage or harm to anybody because then they get aggressive when they're in charge or can get aggressive. And depending on the breed, that's an impact. Yeah. Or the size. It's a
1: a major issue.
0: Yeah. So that's why this walking thing is such an important, the, the, the important first step. Okay, so now... We're talking about walking, but again, I I just talked about getting your dog ready. Here's another problem I deal with. So now you're going to walk your dog. Maybe you're in the early stages and you've got a little bit of handle on that. But now you're like, you want to go for a walk? You ready? You want to go for a walk? And the dog comes and circles around and jumps on you and and you can't even get the, the other collar on it or the leash. It won't sit still. So be careful about getting them so riled up. It's the same thing when you come in the door, if you've been away or when you're leaving. I'm sorry, I got to go. Oh, it's so good to see you. I'm home, Rover. And you get excited. Your voice goes up. You've just encouraged them to have really bad behavior when somebody comes in the house. So for your walk, um, if if you're already uh, struggling with this, and this is a great one. If you're, if you're walking your dog pretty successfully, but you're having trouble getting there, leash or collar, because they anticipate it. Some dogs pick up the leash and bring it to you and dance around, oh, yeah. right? So here's what you do. You get ready. You go do your walk. Um, let's say five o'clock every evening before dinner, you do a walk. So you go to the cabinet or the door and you get your leash down and the dog goes crazy. Get your leash down. Look at the dog. Ask the dog to sit. If the dog doesn't behave, put the leash back up and walk away. Mm -hmm. Dogs will be, hey, it's five o'clock. What are you doing? Right? Be careful about being a creature of habit. If your animal anticipates that much, it's time to mix it up a little bit because they're actually running you at that point. So I encourage my clients to say, oh, false alarm. No, we're not doing this now. And then the dog doesn't know what to do. Wait 15 minutes, walk over again. Don't do the high pitch. You want to go out? You want to go out? You know, get them all excited and then wonder why they're a basket case when you're going to go out for your walk. So that's one way to start mixing it up a little bit. And then insist on a sit. If you need initially in this, this is a retraining really or regrouping. Get a little treat. That's fine. Sit. Because again, your dog won't do this stuff for you, but the minute you have treat or food in your hand, they do, then they're just outsmarting you. Mm-hmm. So then a nice sit, hook the collar in, and don't don't go until they behave enough. Uh, so that's a way to rework this. If you have a young dog, don't go down that road and get them started that way. Mix it yeah, up just a little off. bit. Yeah. All right, so this little golden retriever puppy, maybe... Um, uh, dragging a leash in the house. If they are, that's great. You can go over and put your foot on it and say, Rover, come here. And it doesn't come and you give it a little tug, come here. And then you go over to the door and you say, sit. And you do this very casually and calmly. And then you hook your leash in, wait, and you open the door. Get him started that way. And boy, what a pleasure you will have in your pet. That makes sense?
1: It's amazing what a little bit of this conditioning can do. To change the dynamic between you and your dog.
0: You know, Tommy, last week you talked about observing, or our last Mm. podcast, I should say, um, what your animal's doing that you're not giving them commands for. And what they kind of learn behaviors or like, you know, things they come up with on their own because they know if this, then that happens, even though we're not training that. These are some of those. They, those animals anticipate. They're so smart. It's like five o'clock. How many yeah. people do you know that go home at six o'clock to feed their dog?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're like, the, like the, dog, the dog gets mad when it's daylight savings time. That's another one yeah. I hear. Wait a minute. It's still six o'clock my time, so you right. need to feed me. When your dog has that much, um, it kind of gives you that much information about what they know. That dog should be trained it like service dog I mean you got one smart dog there so set that bar high start out with a walk make that dog be like right on you to the point if you didn't have a leash on which is illegal in most places so don't do that but you could try it in your backyard that dog comes right along with you and is right there right on you eyes on you stop eyes on you sit down circles and by the way, if the dog is pulling you down the street you don't, and you don't have the right equipment on, change your equipment to something that will stop them from pulling you. But I serpentine up and down the street. So instead of walking straight, Otis starts getting nervous and I feel a little pull. And I use a gentle leader. It's the figure right across the nose because he has a long snout. It yeah. works perfectly. I barely, I have so little impact on that. But on a flat collar, he gets heavy. So I yeah. go to that because, again, I'm if I can hold him with one hand, that's my goal. I don't want to be skiing behind him. But we serpentine. We just, like, snake our way up the road so that he can't just go forward. And the other part of that is most people are creatures of habit. You get your dog – Let's go. Want to go for a walk? Want to go for a walk? It runs over with the leash. You have a hard time getting it on because he's going crazy. You go out the door and he says, this is where we go. Down the street, a block, turn left. We, They could go without you, right?
1: Yeah. They would know exactly you where to go. You
0: absolutely need to mix that up. And the other thing, and I just read this somewhere and I thought it was good. I do it, but I didn't, wasn't cognizant of how much I do it. Your energy, wherever your belly button is headed... And I I believe this with horses too, the direction or your eyes, we can use that. So you're looking at your house as you're walking home and your energy is focused that, oh, we're almost back to the house. Your animal feels that. For sure. As much as possible, don't have a destination.
1: Interesting. When
0: you're walking your dog, don't have a destination. I'm going to go up to this block and turn left because the, the animal feels that. That's how they get nervous too, because they know like 4th of July fireworks is another example of that. You're nervous a week before, oh my gosh, fireworks. The dog feels that. I tell yeah. people that all the time. If you're talking to me about the 4th of July a week before, I guarantee your dog's gonna be nervous. Same thing works when you're walking your dog I'm mindlessly walking. Sometimes most of the time I'm tuned into him, but sometimes I'm thinking about my podcast or something (laughs) and he's just walking along so nicely. And then I'm like, Oh, you know, I got to really get back to him because, and then I'm like, okay, well, we're going to go up there. And all of a sudden I feel him like, no, no, we're going to, I don't want you to know where we're going to go. This is going to be a little bit of a surprise. So try that with your dog
1: change the dynamic of of your interaction
0: right and they're not they can't be in charge as much it's up to you oh we turn left here no we're not turning left today oh we are too you're like uh -uh, (laughs) uh-uh we're gonna go straight or we're gonna go right and if you try that you're gonna find out more about your dog how many of us as trainers go to somebody's place and they say my animal has never done that before like misbehave or something well, sometimes we don't ask them. They are, they are setting the stage, whether it's the walk or whatever it is. And the minute we ask them, I get dogs being aggressive towards me on walks. Oh, yeah. Because I say, uh-uh, you're not going to pull me, and we're not going that way. We're going this way. And they growl at me or look up at me. I've handed them back to the owners, bigger dogs that said, oh, they've never done that before. Well, you have Either. never asked them anything. Push the boundaries. They're in charge, yeah. and that's really dangerous. So, all of this comes into play, and we're just we're just scratching the surface here. But if nothing else, we're prompting you to really think about all these little nuances. Getting too excited, getting their leash on, and then running through the door, taking you for a walk, and just going the distance, but not looking up at you, giving you their eyes. Those are all the components of an unhealthy walk. A healthy walk is all these little steps in place and you'll have one tired, wonderful dog that you can depend upon where you could have them at your side. I don't say the word heel. I actually say here, I want them on my right side. I'm a horse girl. So I'd swear I put them. I don't care which side you walk them on. I ask my clients, which they prefer, I'm also strong on my right, other than I have an impaired hand, but I'm still stronger on my right. I need my power Yeah. because they feel it and I'm comfortable. I have confidence.
1: That changes the way you carry yourself. Changes
0: the whole dynamic. Keep your shoulders back. Don't round over and don't look submissive. Put your shoulders back, stand up and start walking in your pace and the dog come along. And keep in mind the size of your dog. If you got oh, a multi poo sure. like mine that's six pounds, you know, a block up and a block back is a good walk. And uh, Otis, I we can go for a couple miles, and he just is getting tired out. He's an athletic poodle, so
1: yeah.
0: you know, it depends he needs a on bit your more dog
1: time and, and distance,
0: right? But also working with him, it tires him out a lot quicker. Otis, stop. Yeah. Otis, sit. Nope, we're turning. Nope, we're going back, making a square here because he's pulling me. I just stop in the road mm-hmm. and make a square, stop and sit. Yep, just
1: refocus. Yeah. Redirect.
0: Make it, mix it up. So hopefully yep. that'll help people.
1: Uh, so, one thing we, we talked about maybe on a different podcast, I think it was part of a trainer tip about not letting your dog uh, sniff and, and, oh do gosh, too much along with that. Good point. Good point. Um, and there's, There's a balance to this, I would say. Um, Dogs experience the world more through their nose than we do. Mm -hmm. They have a a 10,000 times greater sense of smell than a human sense of smell.
0: So like me with cinnamon rolls, is that what I could equate it to? I can sniff out cinnamon rolls.
1: (laughs) Uh, So what we're talking about in this particular situation is a structured, structured, time where you are training you're having a training session with your dog where you're you're talking about mental and physical stimulation there are moments within that walk when you do need to let your dog relax because you can't stay hyper focused all the time yeah it ebbs and it flows so there are moments for sure you get to take a break and you let them sniff and you let them and Partly, that's going to help wear them out as well. Is to sniff around in an appropriate area, yeah, at an appropriate time when you, as the leader, have told them, told them it is now time to relax, yeah. And that's you're doing that by relaxing your energy and relaxing your posture and how you're carrying yourself.
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: So it's not that you shouldn't ever let your dog sniff the ground or you shouldn't ever let them, you know, explore and experience the world. It's should be on your terms and you should work towards being able to redirect them and get their focus back on you. Right. So there's a balance to that conversation. It's not all or nothing.
0: Yeah. And a good point because, um, like when I walk off with my dogs, either my own or my training dogs, I, I make sure that if they need to go to potty, go potty first. And these are dogs that I'm taking down my road, but my road is pretty quiet. Very rarely we encounter another dog. Um, so they go potty. On the first part of my walk, there's no sniffing. And I mm-hmm. actually, with a young dog or a new dog, I go down the middle of the street. We don't have yeah. sidewalks on my road. But we, I go right down the middle of the street because, it's again, it's quiet. Because then I don't give them the opportunity. I'm working first to get their attention. These are dogs. I need to get their eyes when I ask for it. So I don't want to combine that with the sniffing. Once I feel good about that, I move over a little bit more. And the minute they start to want, ah, eh, you know, whatever it is, hey, Joe, you know, Rover, look at me, and walk off. But, again, I'm walking briskly enough. It's going to be pretty hard to stop at Sniff. And when I'm ready, then I I will stop, I will make them sit and then I'll say, okay, need to go potty, let them sniff. If you have the dreaded retractable leash, that would be the time. You don't need the retractable leash. I hold my leash this far from the snap. So when I want them to go potty, I've got another five feet of leash to let them out. And then right. I get, but I'm not going to be there a long time and I'm going to bring them back and get them in. So very good point. I, I do not let them sniff throughout the whole walk. And that is the biggest thing I see probably in the walks other than being pulled is yeah. they just sniff the whole way. And that's your pace. That's screwing that up. If you walk faster, they don't have time.
1: I think as <clears> professionals, <throat> I think uh, we start our training programs with very uh, high walls or boundaries yeah. With, with a lot of parameters and a lot of structure. And then as the animal becomes more trained, we start to kind of drop those boundaries back a little bit. Yeah. And we start to be able to kind of take away the, the fences and everything. And that should be the goal long-term is that we can eventually get to the point where, like you were saying earlier, you could take the leash off and the dog will stay right with, stay
0: with you. you. Yeah. That should
1: be the goal, but it never starts there. Right. You have to start with the structure and the foundation and the high, uh, boundaries and high expectations. And then as the dog understands and has that foundation developed, then you can start, you know, maybe you don't have as much structure and you can let the dog sniff, sniff more and experience the world a little bit more. Yeah. But just like with a child, you don't go to uh, a farmer's market or a, a mall or a concert or some you know, big place and just turn your kid loose. No, you you keep a hold of their hand and you show them how to function and you show them to keep their eyes on you and pay attention and and be safe. That's what you're doing for your animal.
0: Have you been to a farmer's market or mall lately?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the problem. (laughs) No, but I was
0: just gonna say, you described raising children, which I've done, and it is exactly the same you know, in that you need to set that foundation and bring those, the fences in. And as they prove themselves worthy, give them opportunities. And if you're doing a good job, that's how you test your program. Yeah, if you drop exactly. that barrier down a bit, uh, you go from your backyard out on the street and it falls apart. You gotta, you gotta up your game, get back in the backyard, yeah. get some professional help. Go back
1: in and try. Yeah. Try
0: but put the else. fence right back up. And it's yeah. just like raising children. And, Great analogy, Tommy. You're you're so ahead of your <laughs> your your game there. When you do have children, you're going to be great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just going to stick with dogs and horses.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think we I think we covered a lot of ground there. I think it's uh, there's a lot to it, but you know we've hit a lot of the basics. And even if one point here, you're like, oh, and you're struggling with walking your dog, or you have a puppy. And that one point resonates with you. Go back and listen to this again. And um, you'll, I think you'll pick up some other pieces and I'll put a lot in show notes as well. It's really, it's really the basis for all of it. You know, it's when you master this, when I go to somebody's house, their dog is barking um, or tearing down the curtains or uh, surfing the counters. Um, I put the collar and leash on and go for a walk. Because mm-hmm. there's holes in the foundation. That's not the issue. The issue is they're they're not listening to you. So exactly. there's holes in the foundation. You ever watch the dog whisperer, Cesar Milan? He doesn't have all the answers, but he's very good. And the first thing he does, the dog's biting someone, they're fighting, whatever's going on. Puts on the collar and leash, he goes for a walk, and he does his ch- ch- thing. But the dog's right, like, listen right away. Yeah. And as a trainer, I could take somebody's dog who's misbehaving and within about a couple of minutes, I have the dog like looking at me. Part of it is the shock and awe of it, right? <laughs> They're not sure, sure, but that's okay. I use that to my advantage yeah. to, to then say, good boy, because he's looking at me. Oh, okay. Exactly. You know,
1: so. And that's what builds that focus.
0: Get help. It won't cost a fortune to get help, but if you're having trouble with this, this is, res- this is uh, creating problems throughout your program. It is the basis, and if you have holes in this part, I see it every time I'm on a walk. It's hard. Need to-
1: and if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait till you hire an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll yep. cost you a lot more in the long run. And
0: what you're going to lose in your house and the peace of mind, what's that worth to you? To not exactly. have your you know barking or your house tore up. Or whatever it is that's something going on, if your dog doesn't have a good foundation, I can promise you my fee or a trainer fee, you'll be be, uh, thanking us for a long time. My husband gets mad at me because I go in pretty quickly and say, do X, Y, and Z. And if I have a client who's listening, they take it and run with it. But I have to change that and say, oh, I need four lessons minimum. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a terrible... Uh, I'm not a terrible business person, but I just don't want, you know, I want people to do a better job with their animals. So, yeah. But it's not going to make me rich the way I do it. <laughs> <laughs> All it's right, a Tommy. Business. <clears throat> yeah. I need some lessons from you on that. I think you do a better job. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: All right. So we're up to the uh, pet peeve, and uh, yes. you have the pet peeve this week.
1: So, my pet peeve this week is not putting your animal first and what i mean by that is doing what's in the best interest of your animal not necessarily putting your dog's feelings or emotions or you know things uh ahead of yours but doing what's in the best interest of that animal and the the reason i think about this is because i did go to the horse show over the weekend as i mentioned at the beginning of the show and a lot of people asked me they, they had met jimmy dean at a previous show and There's where's, where's Jimmy Dean? Did you bring him with you this time? And I knew because I had my horse to deal with and that I was going to be showing and I was going to be riding. I could not focus on Jimmy Dean also. So I opted to leave him with my good friends that uh, take care of him for me. When I'm gone, I knew that he would be happy and healthy and well cared for and that he wouldn't have the stress of going to the show Um, where I would have to leave him locked in a kennel in a stall where he's not used to being, where there's a lot of external stimulation or with people he's not really been around before, or maybe don't know his rules or, uh, you know, how I prefer to interact with him. I don't think that would be very fair to him to try to take him into that environment. So I didn't. Uh, And I think that's something we miss a lot of the time when we're, we're choosing what we do with our animals Yeah, uh, is we're not putting them first.
0: Yeah. We see it all the time. A dog in a big box store or grocery store, which there is illegal or um, just places they don't belong. And it's like a hot day, you know, dragging your dog along to the patio restaurant does your dog really is want, it, you know, do they really yeah, want to do it that? Is it
1: necessary? Is yeah. it good for that dog? Did that dog want to go? No. Right.
0: Or you just want to show your dog off and have people go and coo over them and your cute dog. But yeah. Yeah. And
1: now it's about you. It's not about the dog. That's right. So, we see
0: it all the time.
1: Yeah. So I would encourage you all to, to put the needs of your animal first.
0: Yeah. And I always say to people, if you... Taking your dog along because you can't leave them at home. If you're taking them in the grocery store, I'm assuming that it's because you can't leave them alone. You've got bigger problems because again, that dog's going to come into harm's way if it's not living with you, if it can't stay home for an hour or two and not wreck or bark. It's, you know, keep the neighbors up or whatever. So
1: yeah, there's a bigger problem
0: there anyhow, but absolutely.
1: it's, It's likely yours. It's not your dog. It's
0: your, yeah, Absolutely most of the time that's the case (laughs) and i say that for myself too i mean oh for sure being self-aware
1: we are not perfect by any means oh no uh you know yes we have a podcast and we talk all about this but we we make mistakes with our own animals and, and our choices as well and we've learned from those mistakes though is the point
0: yep and same things other folks go through i've got a time crunch and i mentioned this on the air in full transparency my big dog won't poop on the leash and mm-hmm. I help other people do that. but I, You have not put a
1: cue on the poo. I have
0: not put a cue on the poo. And that's exactly what I hope to report back in about a month that I've got that. It won't take long, but I've been able to circumvent that process. And I knew I could do it, but I have areas where I know he can poo and be off his leash in, in a legal way. So, but I need to do it. It's going to come back to haunt me soon Mm -hmm. because we're traveling, but that's exactly when I'm going to sit outside and wait till he poos. That's all it'll take is a couple of times. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we don't have, uh, we know what we should be doing. It doesn't mean we always are perfect (laughs) either. So that's why we, one of the reasons I want to do the podcast to help people because we all trying to figure this out. We're not,
1: that's just being an adult,
0: be rating any of you or saying, you know, let's help figure this out. And that goes into my trainer tip. And I've said this a few times. I even said it today, but be careful with your treats. Um, We see this with horses a lot too. Um, You come with a belt on loaded with treats and your dog won't do something without a treat or without you holding the bowl of food. But let's just stick with the treats for the moment. So you have a dog that will sit up or stay with you or behave when you're holding a treat and offering it a treat. But without the treat, it won't do it. Your that becomes a beg. That's that mm-hmm. is the litmus test right there. If your dog isn't in a young training dog who's still learning, but if you're if you've done something repetitious for three days with treats, even a young dog, and the fourth day you don't get a little bit of a, like the dog does it if you mimic that you have the treat, then you're you're actually not helping the dog out. You have to keep raising the bar, and that doesn't mean giving more treats. So I'm serious. If you come to a training session or during a day you're giving your dog eight to ten or more treats... It's unhealthy for your dog, and you're begging them to do things. So yeah. this same dog that'll do everything but a back somersault if you have a treat or a bowl of food, and then he looks at you like, or won't even look at you if you don't have the treat, that's the time to say, hey, right now, pay attention. And I guarantee you, you're going to see a different result. Because I do it with other people's animals all the time. They can't get past the treat. so. Yeah. Really you consider are so that.
1: far into the positive reinforcement quadrant and going back to the, the first mm-hmm. episode we did, uh, or the same with what we're talking about with the leash and the collar, that the the eventual goal should be to be able to take all of that away and still have the dog focus on you and be yes. able to go for a walk. It works the same way. So you're, you're trying to sort of bring everything into the middle Where you don't need to be as extreme you don't need to reinforce as big or as much or you don't need to punish as big or as much yeah you can stay right there in the middle and have this communication and dialogue with your animal
0: that's what training is all about that's the goal is to get rid of the training aids to not be have to use a prong collar to not have to use treats to lure your dog around to not have to do that, to have a dog that walks beautifully on the leash and pays attention, and and that dog has a happy life, and you have a happy life,
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: feel much better about it. But treats are uh, kind of the the something I really have an issue with. And Otis is not treat motivated. You can't bribe him with a treat anyhow. So he, I'm the perfect. Yeah, I'm the perfect trainer for Otis because I don't even consider going into it. With him, maybe I would have. I tried a treat. He didn't want it. But all my schooling has been not to utilize treats. So yeah. I'm a really good trainer for him because I'm not like out of my toolbox is still full. I've still got a lot of a lot to work with. And I know he's going to be fine and come out of this. And uh, I look forward to it. But really be careful. Again, eight to ten treats. If you're using more than that or you go to Sam's Club and buy your treats and you go there once a week you <laughs> get them. You're absolutely using too many treats. Too many treats and, <laughs>
1: and beyond that then you're you're interrupting their uh their diet. As absolutely.
0: Well. Yeah. So that
1: goes to the another podcast that we did about talking about the diet. Yeah, so. and
0: some of these pepperoni sticks and stuff, I just wouldn't give my animals. I don't know, they just Make me yeah, nervous. they're
1: they're loaded with a lot of sodium uh, stuff and, that, and yeah, and just a, a little bit once in a while, in moderation, fine. But if you're using high volumes of them, it's it's going to disrupt their their health.
0: Yeah. And more importantly, they need to do what you ask because you ask them to. And, you know, in a nice way, you said, I need you to do this and the dog needs to respond. And if you've gone a couple months of asking and training and they're not responding, you need to get help because Mm -hmm. it should change week by week. If your program isn't changing week by week with a, a half dedicated effort, I'm not talking about training all day. I'm talking about a couple little 10, 15 minute, you know, training sessions when you're even sitting on the couch if you're yeah. not seeing a change at least week by week, I see mine much more often, but then then you're not you're not raising the bar for that animal. So that that's a guideline for you. There All you right, go. Tommy, action packed <laughs> long <laughs> podcast, but hopefully a lot of good information. So, thank you Tommy as always. I really thank enjoy you. having you as my sidekick in this effort. And uh, thank you for listening. Please share this podcast and let us know, you know, what you'd like us to talk about or what we might have provided on here as some wisdom or guidance or maybe as Clark Howard says, what, what did you disagree with? He does Clark stinks. (laughs) My financial (laughs) consumer guy, Clark Howard. So um, thank you for joining us. Subscribe rate and review the podcast. You can also see the video version on YouTube. Look for those links. And uh, we look forward to having you back for some more doggone good information.